Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha. Welcome to Island Conversations. Today, we're going to do a couple of different things. We're going to share the balance of our conversation about Hilo Medical Center with Dan Brinkman, the Chief Executive Officer. Part one was last week, and you may hear part one as well as this part online at KW. WXX.com or B97Hawaii.com. Last week, we talked about some of the basic capabilities of Hilo Medical Center, their heart and stroke care, their emergency department, and more. Today, we're going to get more of the story from Dan Brinkman about the different specialties for which they've been recruiting. I had a question about rat lungworm disease that didn't fit into last week. We talk about behavioral health and more. But in addition, we're going to share some memories of Barry Taniguchi, who passed away Friday, September 20th. Barry had had some health challenges in the recent years, and his son Toby told me the day after he passed that he had had a pacemaker inserted, and he just was not feeling well and not doing well. So the good thing for Toby is he had a chance to spend a day in the hospital with his dad saying all of those things you want to make sure before you lose someone you really love. We're going to share the remembrance of Barry Taniguchi from Dan Brinkman, from Ria Lee Moku, from Hawaii Island Chamber of Commerce. And then an excerpt from an interview that I did with Barry and Toby back in 2016. But first, Dan Brinkman and I continue our conversation about Hilo Medical Center. You have a family medicine clinic here at Hilo Medical Center. Tell us what that is. So a family medicine clinic is actually, uh, it's just like any other clinic. But what makes this special is that it's the training site for the HHSC Hawaii Island Family medicine program. Every year we train anywhere from three to five new residents in a three-year program to become new doctors. We're accredited by the American College of Graduate Medical Education to basically train family doctors to work in rural settings and they practice here in this clinic, the Hawaii Island Family Medicine Clinic here at Hilo Medical Center. I also understand you have another clinic that is off-site that you have just started. That's correct. And you remember we talked about rural health clinics? The rural health clinics, uh, we're actually opening one up here in Hilo. And over time, we plan to convert all our clinics to the rural health clinic model. But basically, we've opened a new primary care clinic right down here off of Komahana here in Hilo. Our goal is to eventually open more and basically have more primary care services available to the community. So both the family medicine clinic here at Hilo Medical Center and the offsite, these are places where if people need a primary care doctor, they can go? Absolutely. Okay, now what other medical professionals, other than nurses, you already talked about nurses, what other medical professionals have you been recruiting and have you added to the Hilo Medical Center team? Well, since we talked last, we've recruited a number of specialists and family docs and talk to you a little bit about telemedicine, but we are always recruiting. We've been recruiting specialists for cardiologists. We've recruited a new oncologist that will hopefully start here in January. We've had two orthopedists, Dr. Sakamoto and Hansen. We've recruited 
a number of APRNs, basically what people call mid-levels or advanced practice registered nurses to work with our various specialists. We've added them in neurology and urology and oncology and in cardiology and in family practice. And that's part of our plan to pair up our nurse practitioners with specialists so they can see more patients. Well, and a nurse practitioner or an APRN or a physician assistant, these are all people who can serve essentially as a primary care physician, write prescriptions, see patients, maybe under the direction of a doctor. Am I correct? I think you characterize that pretty accurately. There is a little difference in practice. In general, family medicine, primary care, uh, there are a number of APRNs that function independently. They will often diagnose and prescribe without the supervision of a physician. We also use our APRNs. They often work in specialized practices like cardiology or neurology. In many of those cases, they work in partnership or sometimes at the direction of the specialist because it's highly specialized, do a lot of the follow-ups, but usually the primary specialist makes the diagnosis and then they work on the treatment plan. So a lot of it varies into what type of, uh, I guess, medicine the APRNs are practicing in. The intent for the hospital is to partner our physicians with APRNs and physician assistants so they can see a wider number of patients and we can have more of that service. You know, as we've been talking and as you talk about all the new professionals you've gotten, and you talked about all the new equipment you've gotten. I know as I've read things about doctor recruitment, a lot of young doctors and even not so young doctors want to practice in hospitals that have the equipment that make their life easier and also make it possible for them to do a way better job. And it sounds to me like all this equipment you've gotten may be helping with recruitment. You're very accurate. Uh, I'll give you an example. We talked about cardiology earlier. We started the groundwork for having a program probably three and a half years ago by creating a new clinic space. We actually took our HR department, moved it out of the building, and developed a cardiology clinic so we could have an attractive home for them to practice. We replaced our cardiac cath lab where we do these stents because you bring a doctor in who can do it and they see a really old piece of equipment and they won't want to come. So you have to build the infrastructure. Uh, it's almost like you got to build the ball field before the team will show up. And so uh, your point about our investment in infrastructure and equipment and does it make it easier, the short answer is yes, absolutely. What about cancer care? What can people look for at Hilo Medical Center? So cancer care is... Uh, a huge part of what we do for the community. I've kind of had even some personal experiences and well as some of my team where we have seen how hard it is for people who are getting treated for cancer to have to fly, get their treatment and come back and home. It's already such a struggle. So cancer care should be in your community if at all possible, but it needs to be of the quality and the I guess the technical expertise that you need to treat the cancer. So our goal is to make sure that we have enough oncology services so you don't have to travel, but that we also are partnered as part of a larger cancer network so you can be confident that the treatment you're getting wouldn't be any better in Honolulu or even at uh, MD Anderson. So just like you were talking about building a foundation and legwork, we started on that about two years ago getting a Commission on Cancer Accreditation. And what that is, is basically it's a national body that will come in at the beginning and tell you all the things you have to do to get your cancer care state of the art. 
and then you work. It's a long process. It takes. It took. It's gonna. It will be done here probably um, in a couple of months. It'll be almost a thirty-month process from making sure you have genetic counseling services that you have all your docs meeting regularly to manage your care and go on and on. If you have that, then we have the ability to work with someone like a Queens Cancer Center to have an affiliation. And if we have an affiliation with accredited cancer center, then we can be sure that all our treatments are state-of-the-art. And being part of a cancer network means if, say, Queens doesn't have what we need, well, then our patient could go to you and MD Anderson and vice versa. So our goal is to be part of a statewide cancer network like uh, is available in a number of states, and we think that's the best way to deliver care. We still are a couple years out from that. And we're also recruiting for more oncologists. We already have two nurse practitioners, an oncologist, and we want to end up with two and two. Dan, one of the reasons people might go to the emergency room might turn out to be about lungworm disease. And I know that Hilo Medical Center, and specifically Dr. John Martell, you all have treated more cases of rat lungworm, certainly in the state and probably in the whole country. What are you seeing now relative to rat lungworm? Is it increasing, do you think, or decreasing, or you know, what are you seeing? We're seeing what I believe is our normal cycle, the wetter it is, and if we go through a long wet spell without getting too technical, you know, your effectors population increase, the people's exposure increases, we see a few more cases, and then we go through these cycles, it gets drier, you see less. I don't think it's going to go away. The tropical nature of our island, and it's an established species, we're going to have to deal with people getting infected, but hopefully with education and with other prevention, there'll be less of it. All that said, if you're gonna get it, this is the best place to get it because we'll catch it early because we've been exposed to it. I think we know how to treat it as best it can be. It's not perfect, but probably, I would arguably say better than anywhere else. And then we have support groups. If you get it, you won't be alone. We unfortunately have survivors in the community that have had to deal with this. So watch your vegetables and come to the ER early and share with them your eating habits. And uh, hopefully if you need some treatment, we can catch it early. Well, I know one thing when I've interviewed Dr. John Martell, because he has treated more cases than anybody, he really has a handle on the symptoms. So he said for him, it's fairly obvious when somebody has it. And if a doctor has not seen it, they probably wouldn't be as aware as he is. Dan, one of the big issues these days is behavioral health. You know, people who have mental problems, oftentimes homeless people who have mental problems. What kind of support and service does Hilo Medical Center offer around that? So uh, we've offered behavioral health services here um, for many years. A behavioral health unit, actually a separate building right next to the hospital, was built in 1992. We operate 12 inpatient beds in a secure facility, and we average probably uh, somewhere around eight, ten patients at any given time. We also obviously provide a lot of behavioral health services through our ER. We don't, that's not the best place for it, but when people are in crisis, that's where they come. We have social work. We have telepsychiatrists that uh, will assess every patient to decide if they're safe to discharge, and we can help them in the ER or they need to be admitted. And we also have two inpatient psychiatrists that care for our admitted patients, Dr. Lee and Dr. Slate. They have been with us quite a while. We do our piece. It's not enough, meaning that we need more behavioral health services in the community in the outpatient setting. Our hope is in our rural health clinics to have a larger component especially of the psychologist and the licensed social work to do a lot of the, I would call it the basic 
not only behavioral, but behavioral and social issues are very intertwined and to be able to offer a more comprehensive type of service. We're not there yet, but hopefully we can contribute to uh, that need. What's the, any idea what the average length of stay in your behavioral health unit is? It's about two and a half days, three days. What we find is when someone is admitted inpatient is that they aren't there truly to change their whole course of their disease. They're there to get them out of crisis and get them stabilized on their medications and then hopefully have follow-up. And so our goal is to actually provide that stabilization. We have a few people, though, that will stay with us for months at a time until we can find appropriate housing for them. Uh, We're not able to turn around their crisis. Maybe crisis is their permanent state, and then they have to find a higher level of care. Yeah, but two and a half, three days. Dan Brinkman, Chief Executive Officer, Hilo Medical Center. I have asked you about a whole lot of things. What else would you like to mention that you're particularly proud of here at Hilo Medical Center? There are many different things. The thing that I find most special about this hospital is that it really is about our our staff and the fact that they care for their family, friends, and neighbors. I rarely will see someone come into the hospital, especially if they live anywhere in Hilo, that doesn't know 20 people in the hospital. We deliver a lot of health care, but it really is to a pretty, it's a small town. And um, I think that makes it very special. And I think our staff have really bought into the idea that every day we give the people we love and care for our very best. And I think that makes it special. So all this technological stuff and all this improvements in healthcare. If you're sick at the end of the day, you just want somebody to be kind to you, to be empathetic, to uh, make you feel better, and to treat you with some aloha. So that's what we do well. Dan Brinkman, Hilo Medical Center. What concerns do you have for the future? That's a good question. Uh, I have uh, many concerns and things that I worry about, but I think most all of them can be managed. We have good people who work hard, who I know try to do the right thing. I think they're smart, but uh, some things are outside of our control. You know, finances, whether it's at the federal level or the state level, are always a challenge and outside of our control. Economics, you know, if we have a big economic downturn, it impacts us all. So certainly you worry about it, but I don't know if there's a whole lot you can do about it. And we're, we're a public uh, health system, and so politics impacts health care. The prioritizations of what the state spends its money on can change, and that's a lot of that. While we have some influence on it, that's outside of our control. Those are the things that keep me up at night. But, uh, but I think for most things, we can do a good job, and we intend to keep doing one. Dan Brinkman, we're at the end of our time together. Is there anything you'd like to mention that I have not asked you about? You've been very thorough, Sherry, and I appreciate that and giving me the opportunity to share what we work very hard at every day. And it's a lovely thing we all do, and uh, we're very blessed that we're able to take care of our community. Where can people learn more about Hilo Medical Center if they want to understand fully what kind of services you have? We have a newly updated website. Please check it out. We also have a website for our Hawaii Island Family Residency Program. And each one of our facilities also has their own website, so please check them out. We're also all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, and you can get updates on almost everything that happens on a daily basis from our lovely social media expert, Elena Kabachi. Dan Brinkman, Chief Executive of Hilo Medical Center, thank you so much for all your time today. Aloha. 
Aloha, Sherry. And a reminder that you're listening to Island Conversations, and I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. You may hear today's conversation and part one, which aired last week, online at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. Next week, we're going to talk about little fire ants with Cass Vanderwood of the Hawaii Ant Lab and Franny Brewer of the Big Island Invasive Species Committee. But before we say aloha today, we're going to have some remembrances of Barry Taniguchi, the chairman and CEO of KTA Superstores. And we will start with a word from KTA Superstores, which sponsors Island Conversations. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. Barry Taniguchi, the chairman of KTA Superstores, passed away on Friday, September 20th, and Dan Brinkman and I learned of it after we had recorded our conversation. Right now, I'm going to share with you remembrances from Dan Brinkman and from Ria Lee Moku of Hawaii Island Chamber of Commerce. And then I'll share an excerpt from a discussion I had with Barry Taniguchi and his son, Toby Taniguchi, who's president of KTA, recorded in 2016, three years ago when the company turned 100. First up is Dan Brinkman, CEO of Hilo Medical Center. I called him last Tuesday and we spoke on the phone. Aloha, Dan. Aloha, Sherry. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk a little bit about Barry Taniguchi. I know he was a longtime board member for Hilo Medical Center. He was part of the Hawaii Health Systems Corporation East Region Board. He was also involved with other health initiatives on this island. So, Dan Brinkman, just talk a little bit about how you view his contributions to our big island of Hawaii. Well, I was fortunate enough to get to know Barry when he was on our board, or actually through my work with him on Community First, which was a nonprofit organization he founded that was focused on healthcare issues. And over time, we learned together a lot about the community and the community's needs. And uh, it became a, a natural extension, I think, for him to get involved with our hospital board because obviously the hospital plays a large part in the healthcare in our community. And getting that perspective from Barry as to what was important to the community from his experiences growing up here, uh, from all his involvement in many different community and social issues, and just the fact that Hilo was so important to him was a big influence not only on myself but all our fellow board members. And whether we were in a finance committee meeting or a strategic planning meeting, his perspective on the community and what was important for it helped us make much better decisions and honestly we're much poorer for the fact that uh, he is passed and no longer with us. Yeah I was really sad when I got that news. I think so many many people on this island are pretty stunned that he's no longer with us. You know I've been here 13 years and uh, I thought I knew a good deal about how to be a part of the Hilo community and what was expected of you and I knew very little. He taught me a whole lot of what's important and and honestly, how to be a CEO for a hospital in a community. He's been the leader for KTA for years and just uh, a marvelous person and a very gentle person. And we're going to certainly miss him. Absolutely. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Is there anything you'd like to add before we say aloha? 
just our condolences and heartfelt wishes of the best through such a tough time for the Tanaguchi family. Thank you so much, Dan Brinkman. Aloha. Aloha, Sherry. I wanted to talk with Rhea Lee Moku. She is the president of the Hawaii Island Chamber of Commerce. And I know that Barry Taniguchi was very actively involved with the Hawaii Island Chamber of Commerce for many years. So I have Rhea on the phone right now. Aloha, Rhea. Aloha. Hi, Sherry. So, Rhea, I'm just curious. How long did you know Barry Taniguchi? I first met Barry about 20 years ago. But his reputation as a community leader, successful entrepreneur, and visionary preceded our meeting. Oh, that's kind of cool. So his passing, I know, is going to leave quite a void on the Big Island. And I'm curious, in your role as president of Hawaii Island Chamber, and obviously you were very actively involved even before you were president, what's your sense of Barry Taniguchi's impact on our island and our community? Sherry, there are articles, news stories, and posts about Barry's contributions to Hawaii Island and the state. But for me, the most notable observation I have when I think of Barry is the way that he fearlessly took on challenges to make this a better community to live in. Barry put his words to action as he volunteered and contributed a lot of sweat equity to many local nonprofit organizations. And a good example is the Hawaii Island Chamber of Commerce. We were so fortunate to have Barry serve as its president in 1988 to 1989. His thought leadership included many accomplishments, but one, as one of the founders of our endowed scholarship program, has helped many local college students. Barry was never satisfied with the status quo. His vision for a better tomorrow resulted in new programs that help our community. An example is the partnership with the Food Basket, which is Hawaii Island's food bank. TTA Superstores implemented the Double Bucks program, which increased the availability and affordability of locally grown fresh produce to SNAP recipients. The program was such a success here that it is now being duplicated on other islands in Hawaii. Wow, I had no idea. And the SNAP recipients, that's food stamps, right? That's correct. That's impressive that he started that here and then other islands are picking it up. Yes, it is. And it's going to benefit so many people and it's going to bring a healthier lifestyle to people. You know, Barry was very, very active, but he did a lot of things that people didn't even know about. What you just mentioned about the vegetable program for the food stamp, the SNAP recipients, I had no idea about that. Yes, that's true. And, you know, under Barry's leadership... KTA continues to touch many lives on our island. I live in Hilo, so my focus is the Puainako KTA, and hardly a weekend goes by without a car wash or a teriyaki plate lunch sale that benefits all kinds of groups, and that's being held at KTA Puainako. I could go on and on about his involvement and leadership in the community. Well, it's going to be hard to replace him. And what you mentioned about KTA, I have always marveled. You know, they're the only truly Big Island locally owned grocery store chain that we have on the island. And at not just the Pointico, but at most of the KTAs, there was something going on all the time because they hosted events, car washes and food sales and just everything. And they also very actively support so many local charities. They sure do. The loss of Barry makes me very sad. 
Yeah, you know, I, I knew he'd had some health challenges recently, but it was really a shock still to hear that he had passed away. And I know that everybody in the Hawaii Island Chamber is definitely going to miss him. Yes, we sure do. We miss him already. I do feel blessed to have known him and to call him friend. And I know that many others feel the same way. Well, I definitely do. I felt very warm about Barry Taniguchi, and it's a sad time for his family, but it's also a sad time for the island. Yes, it is. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we say aloha? I just want to convey my very deepest condolences and sympathy to the Taniguchi family. Barry was just a wonderful leader, a wonderful person, and I know that the family will miss him very much, and so will our community. It's so interesting to me how many lives he touched and how many people on this island totally appreciate all the things he did. And Ria Moko, president of Hawaii Island Chamber of Commerce, you've expressed it really well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Sherry. Take care. Aloha. Aloha. And finally this morning, an excerpt from a conversation I had with Barry Taniguchi and with Toby Taniguchi on the occasion of KTA Superstores turning 100 years old back in 2016. First up, I had a question for Barry Taniguchi. You have obviously felt compelled to be involved in the community. You are on many boards, nonprofit, for-profit. Why is that important for either you personally or you as the CEO of KTA Superstores? You know, it's funny. When I was in high school, I used to be on student committees and all. never thought about running for office, you know, class office. It wasn't until my junior year that I really ran and got into as junior class vice president. In the senior year, the leading candidate for the student body president, because of grades, had to step down. So I ended up being, by default, the student body president for Hilo High School. And that kind of put me in a different where I, I was more a doer and a follower in the committees than became a leader. Now, why I think it's important is that I really believe nonprofits in the community, they have a purpose. And a lot of times we as business people understand more the business, the economics of how things should be run. And the nonprofit person generally knows about the human services, how to do this. So sometimes we need to help guide them. And that's one of the reasons why I get involved with a lot of nonprofits. And the other thing is, and actually this was something that my grandfather started many years ago, which I didn't know until later in life, is that, you know, his philosophy too was that the community supports us, so we need to support the community. And I think we've pushed that in our company for a lot of years now, and that's why I spend so much time in the nonprofit side. And we encourage people in our organizations to do the same thing. And Toby's, I think, involved. What's funny, you know, between Derek, Toby, and myself, we're involved with a lot of nonprofits, but it's all different. I don't serve on what he serves on, and, and vice versa. Derek serves on something else. So as a company, I think we try to push that we need to make sure that the community survives and thrives because they're the ones that are going to support us. Which really explains your philanthropic philosophy. KTA is involved in almost every nonprofit, charitable event, organization, anything that goes on. Toby, what have you learned from your dad relative to leadership, <laughs> whether it's at KTA or in the community? Thank you, Sherry. Yeah, I learned that it's really hard to say no. No, but really, <laughs> actually, um, he's absolutely right in that we're part of community, and we need to be active participant members in our communities to make it a better place and contribute our part. Because if you're not part of the 
solution and you're really truly probably part of the problem and so I think it's ingrained in us in my upbringing watching my dad being involved in a number of different endeavors or community whether it be health and human service or other civic organizations it, it, it was a natural for me to just kind of follow and he's absolutely right we do have different interests in terms of the nonprofit arena that we get involved in and a little bit counter to that is that we you know as business we need to know the human side of things we need to get in touch with and know how you know the mission driven organizations that are delivering critical health and human services to our community you know i, I once sat through a dennis miller show at the university of portland and in that show he said that there is somebody in new york right now that is perfectly willing to step over another human being laying in their own urine to spray paint somebody wearing a fur coat and it kind of spoke to your priorities. And as a community, if we want to be healthy, we got to help everybody and give everybody a help up. You know, there's people with challenges. There's people with stuff that we've never experienced. But we have to somehow collectively come together and help our fellow brother, our fellow sister. Because I tell you what, if that was me, if that was my sister, if that was my brother, if that was my kids, I'd want somebody to help them. And so being involved is one way, I think, that we can be part of the solution. And it's important that we all, in our own way, get involved in whether it be in our communities, in our churches, in our larger uh, kumiai group. That's Japanese word for community association, the neighborhood, neighborhood association. Neighborhood association. You know, I, I think it's incumbent upon us. Barry Taniguchi, final comments. Well, I'd like to thank you, Sherry, for giving us this opportunity. But really, I'd like to thank the public out there for supporting us. Because if it were not for their support, we couldn't be where we are today. We look forward for the future, and we want to continue to give back to the community. And with those final words from Barry Taniguchi, who passed away on Friday, September 20th, we're going to say aloha to Island Conversations today. I'm Sherry Brack, and thank you so much for joining us. I'll see you next week. Until then, and always, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.